We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Hey, Packaday listeners. It's Sarah Kelleher from the Wednesday edition of the Packaday podcast. As all of us are learning how to navigate through what are some unprecedented times, our team here at Packaday, as well as the team at Cheesehead TV, will be joining forces to help those who need it. With recent COVID-19 related school closures, job disruptions, and health risks, millions of Americans will turn to local food banks for much needed support. Together, our teams are raising money to benefit Feeding America, the nation's largest domestic hunger relief organization. Our fundraising campaign will run through March 26th to April 3rd, and all proceeds will go towards Feeding America's efforts to providing meals to those who need it across the nation. For more information, you can visit the Packaday Twitter at Packaday Podcast or check out any of our team's Twitter profiles. We hope you'll join us on our week-long effort to support those who truly need it. Thank you in advance for your contribution. Thank you for always listening. And as always, Go Pack Go! minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome back to another episode of the pack a day podcast my name is maggie loney today i'm joined by jacob westendorf and we are missing one nick schmitz because he happens to be an essential employee in the state of wisconsin uh, we also think that he's pretty essential to the Pack-A-Day podcast, but I suppose um, that we'll let him slide for this one. So today it's just me and Jacob. We're going to be on our best behavior. Um, Jacob is not going to make fun of me like he does Nick because I won't allow it. 
Uh, so today we're going to talk about the eight remaining free agents on the Packers or the eight former Packers free agents who are kind of still out in the universe waiting to be signed. And then we'll also talk about the idea of a seven day draft, which I think that Jacob and I will have differing opinions on this. So let's just get to it. Jacob, seven days of draft bliss. Yes or no. It's a nice idea in theory, but we already have three days of it. And I'm just thinking from a television perspective, I suppose there's nothing on TV right now that's live. So that might help a little bit, but I'm thinking how many people are going to sit down and watch the seventh round of the draft? I don't think, I mean, even the footballiest of the football people kind of tune out after the early portions of day three. So that would be my concern. But as somebody who is trying to find new things on any streaming platform that I have and watching football (laughs) games from 2010 throughout the course of the day, uh, I'll take anything that's new as far as content goes. So I'm not vehemently against it. My only thing in the future would be I hope they don't decide to make that a trend. I have two suggestions for you if you're bored. Um, one is watch Tiger King on Netflix. Not my to-do. Because, okay, good. And the other thing is to buy a Switch and be my friend on Animal Crossing. Okay. Is that so also on your to-do list? I didn't know I needed to buy a <laughs> Nintendo Switch, no. So it wasn't, but it is now. <laughs> okay. Well, I can work with that. Um, but no, I, I like the idea of a seven-day draft. Like you said, in this circumstance, I think that it fits. Um, is it something that I'd want to see year after year? No. Uh, but I was talking to Mark about it and he kind of had the same point where he was like, you know, if I didn't have to work second shift some nights, I probably would be on board with it. If I'm somebody working a nine to five and if I'm, you know, remote at this point or telecommuting, then yeah, maybe the idea of watching one round every night is something that would really intrigue me. But he was like, as somebody who closes half of the week, You know, if I'm on my phone from three to 10 trying to follow the seventh round of the draft, it's really not that appealing to me. So it's almost like the combine, I guess, where if you have nothing else going on, there's some people like me that will carve out their time to watch the combine in full. But if you are a normal person, uh, you'll, you'll catch it if it's on, but you won't like make a day of it. And I don't think that, you know, the sixth and seventh rounds of the draft would be something that most Americans would like set their calendar for and be gung ho to watch. So I like the idea for something short term, but I definitely would like to see it return to its televised insanity uh, next year. Okay. So we're both kind of on the same page in regards to seven day draft would look like nice idea in theory probably wouldn't hold a ton of attention would probably likely have to be a one-year thing wouldn't be something that the league would turn to long term Uh, but i think in unprecedented times unprecedented measures you know kind of makes sense Um, but segueing i guess from that seven-day draft idea the packers have eight remaining free agents there's tremont williams tyler irvin malcolm johnson geronimo allison jason spriggs ryan grant and Ibrahim Campbell. Uh, So I thought maybe what we could do today is just kind of go through each of the eight and give a yes vote or a no vote to, is this somebody that you'd want to see on the roster? And we can even say at this point, the 90 man, I don't think we have to call anybody a roster lock for the final 53. Um, But starting with Tremont Williams, what are your thoughts on Tremont coming back as a 37 year old cornerback for another season in green Bay? 
Yeah, when you say 37-year-old cornerback, <laughs> normally is in a, a negative sense, but Tremont Williams has been awesome. You can argue for the last couple of years he's been the team's second-best cornerback after Jair Alexander. He had a stint, obviously, where he played safety in that disastrous 2018 season after they traded HaHa Clinton Dix. That didn't work out so well, but he's a capable slot corner. He's a smart player, and the good thing about Tremont Williams is he's a high-character guy, so you know that if a young guy like Shannon Sullivan or Josh Jackson or a guy they draft or Kadar Holman, if somebody like that passes him on the depth chart, Tremont's still going to do his thing and is still going to do his part to help these guys be ready and in the right positions when it's game time. I think that you might have that issue with another player, maybe not anybody specifically on the Packers, but somebody else might have issues with that. But Williams isn't one of those guys. He's not going to cost a whole lot because he is a 37-year-old cornerback. We just saw Nikel Roby Coleman is 10 years younger, and he signed for $1 million guaranteed. So it's not going to cost the Packers much of anything. You can never have enough depth in the secondary. I think if there's anything that I learned from that 2016 season is that is very much the case. Uh, the Packers, fair or not, in the secondary haven't exactly been the pinnacle of health or consistency. So the more guys you have back there that can do that, Tremont, somebody to me, that's an easy one. Uh, and like I said, if he ends up getting replaced, he's still a good guy to have around uh, on the on the back end of the roster. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. And I thought it was interesting. Pro Football Focus had uh, Tremont Williams and Jair Alexander as the only tandem uh, cornerbacks that graded in the top 10 uh, in coverage among, you know, all of the 2019 corners in, w- with a minimum of 350 snaps. But still, it's pretty impressive at 37 for Tremont to be in that category because everybody sings the praises of Jair Alexander and rightly so. But I think that Tremont Williams is kind of under you like he's underappreciated given his age and the way he's still playing. I know that I've personally seen it on Twitter. I don't know if you have a lot of the people saying like, where really is a 37 year old going to be the goal here? Like, is he really the ideal at someone who should, we should be pining for, but I think, yeah, I think he is. Like you said, he's not going to come on a very expensive contract one year, maybe two years. We know he can still play. He's perfect in the slot. And if the Packers do end up drafting somebody in the first couple rounds, which wouldn't be totally surprising to me, or a high day three guy, you'll want to give them some time to develop as well. So while the Packers kind of wait and see what they have in guys like Kadar Holman and Josh Jackson, giving a vet those snaps, somebody that you know and trust on the defense, I don't think is a really bad idea at all. Um, Someone else who... You know, as a very seasoned vet in the NFL, not necessarily with the Packers, is Jared Valdir, who was on the reserved retired list before coming to Green Bay and then ended up starting a playoff game at right tackle for the Packers in place of Brian Belaga. What about him? Yeah, that was a guy that I think everybody assumed it was either Belaga or Valdir, and it turned out the Packers went with neither, or at least for now, <laughs> they've gone with neither. Valdir is still available, and that's another guy. Too much depth at tackle is no such thing. Uh, And we've seen it very quickly last year. The Packers went from playing Brian Balaga to Alex Light. Light's still a young player, somebody you can certainly bring into camp. But again, Veltier's at the point where the salary demands aren't going to be very high. And yeah, if Alex Light becomes a serviceable player in training camp, which I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but he wasn't last year. And that's why they claimed Veltier in the first place. 
that's somebody that I think you can bring back. He knows the locker room. He knows the offense. He knows the culture. You have him come in as your swing tackle. Uh, maybe you have to do some things if, God forbid, David Bakhtiari gets hurt. But at this rate, at least, you're not relying on an unknown at tackle, which is something I absolutely think you should never do, if at all possible. Uh, depth on the offensive line with an aging quarterback uh, that the Packers currently have and employ. Again, if he wants to play for one to two million bucks, which at this point, how much more can you realistically demand? Yeah, I don't see why not. Because then if he stinks in camp or if somebody's better, you cut Veld here and you're not even really all that upset about it. Yeah, he really reminds me of a guy who could be in the same situation as Lane Taylor. I mean, Lane Taylor obviously was paid like a starter, perceived to be the starter, and then got surpassed by Alton Jenkins because of an untimely injury. But if you have Jared Valdir as your swing tackle and a guy like Rick Wagner, not only is it insurance, but if you do draft somebody like Josh Jones in the first round your right tackle of the future. No harm, no foul if you have two really inexpensive right tackle options, letting a rookie develop towards the end of the season, you know, filling in or surpassing a guy like Valdir Wagner. So I like the idea of him coming back, but to me, he kind of feels like somebody that will latch onto a roster, maybe in training camp. Like he's going to be somebody that remains a free agent until there is a need on a team. I don't think he'll be anyone's starting option going into if there's an untimely candidate, a preseason injury or a week one injury, even he seems like somebody that could ride that, that free agency without officially retiring in case an option does pop up for him to maybe come in for half the season, kind of like he did in 2019 for the Packers. I would, I wouldn't mind if it's with the Packers. I just don't know if they'll commit to another veteran on the roster as a swing tackle. When, like you said, they've got guys like Alex light, they could be developing, um, and a couple other players on the roster, Yash Nijman, um, was really exciting. And I, I would expect them to draft a tackle pretty early because I don't think that Rick Wagner is necessarily the long-term option at the position. Right. Um, <laughs> I say, um, this is one of the more controversial players on the list. And I just want to go on record here and say that I'm going to be in agreement with Jacob says, but given my history talking about Geronimo Allison <laughs> is a touchy subject for me as a person, Jacob thoughts on the wider. Uh, Geronimo is a great dude. He's a great story. I remember his training camp. I actually have a name, uh, a, a role, if you will, named after him. And I call it the Geronimo Allison. And what that is, is you're an undrafted player with long odds to make a roster. You have to make a play a day in camp. And that's what Geronimo Allison did in his initial training camp. He had some nice moments. Uh, the catch on the bucket throw that Rodgers threw in the big comeback in 2018 was awesome. Uh, he even had a moment or two last year. But, yeah, he's an undrafted free agent wide receiver. He's not a great athlete. And the Packers gave him a chance to start. And he didn't take the ball and run with it, so to speak. The signing of Devin Funches pretty much ends all but any hope if anyone had any for him coming back. So I wish him well. I imagine he'll latch on somewhere, uh, even if he ends up as, you know, the back end of the roster fodder type. But, um, yeah, I don't see him back in Green Bay. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that uh, the Funches signing was really like the nail in the coffin, if you want to put it that way, for Allison. He finished sixth 
on the team in 2019 in receiving yards behind a running back and a tight end, which isn't, you know, absurd by any means. Aaron Jones put up good numbers and Jimmy Graham had a decent showing for a tight end. But when you consider all of the depth on the roster that the team is already bringing into training camp, looking at Equinemia St. Brown, giving MVS another year to develop, they did re-sign Jake Kumro, uh, Reggie Bellaton from the college or the Canadian Football League and Malik Taylor. It really seems kind of inevitable that, you know, Geronimo is not going to be another camp body. I thought that he had a really nice shot in 2019 to take a leap and be that that third receiver on the roster behind Devonte Adams. And at the time, MVS, I thought that those are going to be the starting two. Uh, but then he just kind of fell down the roster as the season progressed. And with guys like Alan Lazard making the leap that they did and the Packers projected to, were hoping take a receiver in the first three rounds, it, it feels inevitable that he, he won't be returning to green Bay. Um, so I guess that kind of opens the door then for the other free agent wide receiver who it's really hard to even, you know, consider his time as a Green Bay Packer talking about Ryan Grant, which I always refer to as the Ryan Grant experiment. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that one's a little difficult to discuss, I guess, because he was basically break glass in case of emergency and they never broke the glass <laughs> for as poor as the outside of the locker room people perceive the Packers receiving group to be, I shouldn't say that like they weren't a bad group because they're not a great group, but for as poor as some people think they are, I mean, we're not talking about him not being able to see the field over guys like prime Greg Jennings and Donald driver. Like I said, I've been watching a lot of 2010 films, <laughs> but Grant is not seeing the field over guys like Jake Kumaro and Geronimo Allison and, guys like that. He's being surpassed pretty easily by Alan Lazard and while well, they brought him in after Darius Shepard, but you get my point. There's not, it's not like these are high profile guys that he can't get on the field for. I think it was, they brought him in. If I remember correctly, it was when they were unsure because Allison and Valdez Scantling were both hurt and they brought him in before that Raiders game. And it turned out all of those guys ended up playing and then Grant just ended up being a healthy scratch. He, I don't believe he was ever even active for a game. So yeah, I don't picture him being back in green Bay (laughs) because he was never really here in the first place, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't make sense for the Packers to bring him back. It, It, especially like we said, he wasn't on the active roster, but there is some small part of me, not that I'm suggesting they bring him back, but I would have really liked to see what he could do in camp because unless, you know, he just looked that bad in practice on the second team or third team that they didn't want to make him an active player. It seems really strange that they would sign him and not even give him like an outsider's shot, uh, like on, on any single game day, even with the injuries that they had. And if they knew guys like Geronimo weren't kind of working and they were just sliding down the depth, the depth chart, it's, it seems really telling, I guess, that Ryan Grant, it was never like, well, should we should we consider this above guys who are not playing well or guys who are battling through injuries? And for them to have never done that, he seems just about the closest thing to a lock that he would not be returning to the Packers. But if he could be another Valdir situation where if somebody gets hurt in training camp or if something happens in preseason, he's another name that has 
an ounce of familiarity with the roster that he could be another, another just holdover in case something were to happen in the regular season. And then you just, I don't know, hope you don't have to start him, which sounds to you guys that you hope you don't have to start. Let's talk about now Ibrahim Campbell, because he is somebody that I have loved since he came to Green Bay. Unfortunate in injury history who we've never really been able to get a good read on. What are your thoughts on the safety? Well, I know there's been some scuttle that he may not actually be a free agent. So I'm not a hundred percent sure about that because every site and everything seems to list him as one, but there's also this little news blurb that said his contract told because of his time on the injury list. So I don't know how that works either way. I kind of hope that is the case because then that means he's already on the roster and they don't have to worry about bringing him back. That's another one of those with the way Mike Pettin likes to play big players at safety playing linebacker. I'm convinced he would play with six safeties on the field. If you'd let him, Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't see why not Raven green had a good start to the year last year, but Ibrahim Campbell, I mean, you need more than one guy that can play that role. And I'm not sure that you want Adrian Amos doing a ton of that stuff because one of the nice parts about Amos is his ability to play close and deep. So you want to keep that versatility, whereas Campbell kind of excels closer to the line of scrimmage. So another person in that Raven green role as that nitro package linebacker, I don't think that's a bad thing to keep around. So I hope he's around. I hope they keep him around. He's a nice player and he's, if nothing else, he's a sure tackler. And I know that sounds like ultimate old football guy thing to say, but (laughs) I mean, with the way the Packers struggle with tackling at times, having somebody on there that you feel like when he's got somebody lined up, they're going down is a good feeling. Is that how you know that you're getting old is when you start talking about the good old days of being able to tackle in football? Yeah, that's got to be it. Or something like when they ran the ball more or (laughs) old footballisms. But no, I'm totally with you. I, like you said, I hope, that whatever is up with his contract, it doesn't mean he's still on the roster. So then I have to go through the process. But right now the Packers only have officially four safeties in Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, Raven Green, and then they just re-signed Will Redman. But I do think that Campbell is in that same Raven Green box safety hybrid. He's a thumper. He's somebody that you'd want to pair against or pair opposite somebody like Christian Kirksey, who's not necessarily the best in coverage, um, because he does he does give you better hands as an option in the middle of the field. I I think that he would come back. I don't have any reason to think that he wouldn't unless the Packers, you know, there's something with his injuries that are nagging or lingering. Uh, but he, he, to me, is like peak insurance policy. And I don't know what they see Will and Raven as to where Ibrahim would fall on that depth chart if he'd be three, four, or five. As another camp body, at least, I would say give him a shot on the roster. I think he needs to come back. He's never been able to really get a fair shake and kind of prove what he can do when he's healthy. So I think that giving him a full season to do that would be well for the team. And he has a history with Mike Patton, which we talked about before when he was with the Browns. But that is nice kind of as already having familiarity with Mike Patton and his scheme. Let's go now to Tyler Irvin, Swervin Irvin, the return man, free agent after signing with the through the season. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I understand why there's not necessarily an urgency to sign him. He's a return specialist and was the team's third running back. 
Um, he's not going to command a lot of money and he was waived by Jacksonville. That's how the Packers found him on the scrap heap. So maybe the receiver they're looking to draft, or if they draft another one, maybe that's his role initially is as a returner. And I'm certainly wondering, I know Gudukunst has talked about that position at length saying that there's value to having a guy that can return kicks and punts on your roster because it can flip the field very quickly. And we saw, I mean, I know we all made the jokes. We made the jokes on this show that <laughs> we would have settled for a guy that could make a fair catch and not have us have a heart attack in the process. And Irvin came in and the whole crowd was buzzing when he made a nine yard punt return. I mean, it's sad that that's the point, the dire straits that the Packers punt return team was at, but it was, and it turned into a, I don't know if I would call it a strength by the end of the year, but the return game wasn't completely abysmal. So that was helpful the Seattle game, I really liked some of the stuff that they did with Irvin in the offense. I think LaFleur's got some – you could see him kind of smile a little bit and talk about that he has some juice. The Packers could use more players like that in the backfield. Uh, maybe that's something they're looking for. You're talking about guys closer to camp. I think Irvin might be somebody the Packers. If they – say they draft a running back in the middle rounds and a receiver that can return punts, maybe then they don't look to bring Irvin back. But if they don't get a guy that they really like in those spots – that's somebody they can bring back, I think, pretty easily, either close to or after the draft. Yeah, I'm with you. Matt LaFleur talked about the importance of having three running backs on your squad that you can rely on and rotate between so that nobody gets burnt out. And very obviously, the, the starting two for Green Bay are Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. But that third spot is wide open. I mean, even when Dexter Williams was the third guy on the roster, when Jamal Williams gets hurt, they bring in Trey Carson from the practice squad. They signed Tyler, Tyler Irvin. He does all the returns, and he's taking snaps in a playoff game over Dexter Williams. So to me, I do think he has a, a an outside shot at being the third running back, but I would expect them to at least draft one or two guys um, as camp bodies to kind of compete for that spot. Where I see Irvin kind of missing out on the roster is if the Packers were to draft a wide receiver early who has returned punts and kicks and can kind of be that versatile guy. But on that same token, if you're drafting a wide receiver in the first round, do you really want somebody who's projected to be an offensive starter suddenly on every return in the game? It's kind of like when Jair Alexander had his short stint returning uh, kickoffs and punts. And we were like, Oh, he's getting, he's getting uh, torched. We might not want him to keep taking those kind of shots when he's an every down player for your defense. Um, so I think that Irvin is that same kind of guy that his best shot at making the roster would be as a return man. But I do really like him as a gadget player for Matt LaFleur. I think on plays like jet sweeps, you know, like you said, LaFleur just lights up thinking of the possibilities of a, a quick guy like that to utilize on offense. But I think that he would be one of those outside shots to make the roster. I don't think he's by any means somebody that, would be given a spot, even if he did return um, on the 53. Um, another running back type player, Malcolm Johnson, the fullback, who maybe now might have a better shot at the roster with Danny Vitale going to the Patriots. Yeah, he could. I, I'm curious what Green Bay does at that position, because we heard it all offseason that Danny Vitale was this weapon and the Packers wanted to use him and he was being used in camp. And then he was kind of dinged through different portions of the year, but when he was playing, they didn't use him a whole heck of a lot. Um, then as Jay Sternberger got back, they kind of used him in an H-back role, so I wonder if that's the route that they're going to try and take with the tight ends and doing it that way. 
the fullback position is very rare in today's NFL to play it in Matt LaFleur's offense. Yeah, you have to have some ability and some versatility similar. I mean, Kyle Juszczyk is the the cookie-cutter version of that kind of player. But if you don't have that kind of player, then you can just use some tight ends in that roster. And from, I mean, granted, I don't have a number or anything to back this up, but it looks to me that Aaron Jones is more comfortable running the ball in a single back formation. And that's something that some of the great ones from the years past, Barry Sanders talked about that. Adrian Peterson has talked about how it's easier if somebody's not directly in front of you or they're more comfortable that way. So if that's the case, then there's really not a whole heck of a lot of use for a fullback because more often than not, what happens is they're either lead blockers, which is positive, but they don't offer a whole heck of a lot in the passing game. Again, more often than not, if you can't find a player like Kyle Juszczyk. So He's somebody I I maybe they bring him in and try some stuff with that, but I don't anticipate the Packers carrying a true fullback at this point. Yeah, Perry and I talked about a little bit talked about this a little bit on Pax, which he said where we said similarly, um, Danny Vitale wasn't necessarily utilized as much as any of us would have anticipated him being utilized. I know that they ran a couple creative routes with him, um, but he was never able to kind of make an impact in the passing game like we thought he would. And then he had, you know, some untimely uh, lingering injuries. So then, like you said, they utilized Jay Sternberger as an H back and he looked, he looked pretty good doing that. Um, I thought Malcolm Johnson had a pretty nice preseason before he got hurt. He was in that same kind of role as a pass catching back. The Packers do have one fullback on their roster right now in Elijah Wellman, um, who likely is, you know, a camp name. I don't necessarily see there being room on the roster for a fullback. If the Packers do go with four tight ends and four running backs, then having a ninth, you know, H back type role would be quite a lot. Um, But I, I did like him. I thought that he had a good chance or maybe I guess if Danny Vitale wasn't on the roster, he would have had a better chance at latching on at fullback. Um, but I, I don't necessarily see him coming back. I But I did like the limited glimpses that we got to see from him in preseason. And I do think it's fun that he was Danny Vitale's teammate in Cleveland um, when they had two fullbacks, which is quite a lot, but seems like something that the Packers would emulate, um, which they did for that limited time in training camp. Last name on the roster is controversial Jason Spriggs, who I guess I guess it's not really that controversial outside of the Packers trading up to get him as a former second round draft pick. Jason Spriggs, swing tackle, no more. Yeah, bye. I, I, <laughs> I don't mean that like again to be mean or whatever. It's just he's not good. And he's never been good, and he's only really still on the roster or affiliated with the Packers on a technicality. It was an injury and nobody claimed him off of that. So he kind of reverted back to the Packers list that way. So um, it's unfortunate. That was a big swing and miss by Ted Thompson there uh, in that draft. But those, uh, those are things that are going to happen. And uh, unfortunately, because it would be nice to kind of have that seamless transition between Balaga and Spriggs at this point now, wouldn't it? But unfortunately you're not going to hit, a lot of your draft picks, and I think it was Brian Gutekunst who says, if you look back and you're batting 300, you feel like you're doing pretty good. Well, that still means you only hit three out of 10. So <laughs> there's, yeah, that was a, probably Ted's biggest whiff in recent memory outside of maybe Demarius Randall. But that was a, that was a rough one. So um, good luck to him and whatever his next career path is. <laughs> 
I don't really know if there's anything for me to add on to that at this point, other than I agree with you. He will not be back. He's about the biggest outside of Ryan Grant, maybe to not be back on the roster. Um, I could see him being a camp body elsewhere. Maybe he develops as a swing tackle. I know that there was always the discussion that he was building muscle and he was working on his footwork and that every off season he was projected to improve, but it never improved to the point of him being a viable NFL starter which is what you expect from a second round draft pick that you traded up for. Um, so Jason Spriggs, pretty sure not going to be returning to Green Bay. It would honestly surprise me more than just about any other name on the list if he did actually come back. I guess I didn't run this by you ahead of time. <laughs> of any names still out there in free agency, if the Packers can't have any of their existing free agents return, is there one person still out there that you'd be interested in, in bringing in? Shelby Harris is a defensive lineman uh, out of Denver. And I think if the Packers are going to add to their team from here, it would be on the defensive line. Uh, that's, you know, if you look at the needs that the Packers have, that was certainly one of them that we discussed. They've hit the other three big ones with middle linebacker, uh, offensive lineman, and wide receiver. So now we're looking at, Maybe a tight end. Maybe they bring in Delaney Walker. I know that's been mentioned before. Uh, somebody they may have some interest in. But I think a defensive lineman is more pressing of a need, if you will. Uh, we wrote a Backstreet Boys song today earlier on that tweeter machine. So <laughs> that even if they do select a defensive lineman in the first round, having a veteran whose job is to just stop the run. That's all we're really asking you to do. Harris is one. Uh, Damon Harrison, his nickname is Snacks. I'm sure that's been <laughs> talked about several times by now. Um, but somebody of that ilk that is just kind of a they need a role player on the defensive line, and I'm sure they'll draft another one. But they don't, you know, they don't need a star, if you will. They don't. I mean, star defensive linemen don't typically come available either. So they need somebody that's going to do their job on first, second down, and allow them to get the Smith brothers, Rashawn Gary, and the pass rushers that they want on the field. Yeah, I'm with you. I feel like you took all my answers, which is fine. I let you go first, um, so I had to expect this. <laughs> but no, I was going to go with snacks, and not just because I'm eating through all of my feelings being in quarantine, but because I actually really like snacks and the way that he fits in Green Bay. Um, I think, honestly, at this point, you're just looking for a run-stuffer uh, body eater for Kenny Clark to free up a little bit because once Kenny Clark stops getting double and triple teams, it is game over for that Packers front seven uh, snacks is a good option. Um, like you said, doesn't have to break the bank. You're not expecting them to go sign, you know, like a Chris Jones. It doesn't have to be some massive contract. Kenny Clark will be your massive contract along the defensive line, get a role player, draft somebody high cough, Ross Blacklock, no matter what. And then, work with what you got, give somebody like snacks one or two years, uh, kind of low risk, high reward, just like they did with Christian Kirksey and Rick Wagner. And I think that that really rounds out the roster going into the draft sets them up pretty nice for the future. Yeah, I agree. That's this free agency period. I'm convinced that some people will never be happy unless they have a Zadarius Preston Turner Amos plus kind of offseason. <laughs> um, but Gutekunst basically told you in his, combine presser that this is what the offseason was going to look like we didn't know exactly what it meant but this is what it's going to look like they're trying to find flexibility uh, and that probably meant being a little more 
uh, strategic with where they're spending some of their money because that's the other thing to think about. I know it's easy to get wrapped up in how the cap can be manipulated, and that's great, but next year the Packers have Kenny Clark and David Bakhtiari, who, in my opinion, both of which are people they absolutely have to extend. Those are both really good pl- Kenny Clark's a great player. David Bakhtiari maybe isn't as good as he was two years ago, but he's still really, really good. And really, really good tackles get paid a lot of money. That's just the cost of doing business. If you're a Packers fan, I've brought this game up a million times, and you want to kind of be cheap on the tackle side of things, think about it this way, Maggie. We're about the same age. In our lifetime, it's been Clifton and Tauscher, and then it transitioned to Bakhtari and Balaga, essentially. That's pretty damn spoiled at the tackle positions. If you want to know what it looks like when you don't have guys like that, it's when they had Don Barclay and Josh Walker playing tackle in Arizona. The final score of that game was 38 to eight and Aaron Rodgers nearly died. So the point I make on all that is those are guys they have to pay. And that's why they're being a little bit more strategic. That's what Gutekunst was talking about with guys internally. We want to keep here. I'm making some assumptions, but those are two guys. Aaron Jones, Kevin King, Corey Lindsley, Jamal Williams. Those are just some others that they could potentially be looking to bring back as well. So they have some decisions to make internally too. Yeah. And I mean, if you spend money in the wrong place, you also end up like the Minnesota Vikings who said goodbye to Stefan Diggs, Linval Joseph, Everson Griffin, Trey Wayne, Xavier Rhodes, and Mackenzie Alexander to pay Tajay Sharp and Kirk Cousins. So Packers they don't fans, have any quarterbacks. <laughs> they literally don't have any quarterbacks. <laughs> Packers fans, what did we learn? We do not want to be the Vikings. That's what we learned. We also never will be because we have a bazillion trophies and they have a whole zero. So, Jacob Westendorf, how can the people find your work on the social media? You can find me on Twitter at Jacob Westendorf. You can find my work at Packer Report 66. And you can order the Cheesehead TV draft guide. There's links on mine and Maggie's Twitter, which she will tell you how to find here shortly. You can pre-order for $6.99. The draft is less than a month away. It is Packers specific, and it is a really good draft guide. This is my fourth year, I think, in the guide. I did two years of interior offensive line. The last two years I did the tight ends. Uh, so it's been a lot of fun. I'm excited to see what you guys think of that sort of stuff. So that's where you can find me. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney, L-O-N-E-Y. I write for She Said TV, and I also podcast with Perry Goldstein at Packs with She Said Podcast once a week. Uh, as always, thank you for listening to the Pack-A-Day podcast. Um, we are just happy to be able to bring you some content in what is a very weird, abnormal, unprecedented time in our history. So please remember to reach out if you need any assistance getting through this. We are all in this together as Packers fans, as football fans, and as human beings. Um, so we hope that this, I don't know, 35-minute episode uh, can be a little bit of a distraction and a day brightener for you. Uh, but if you need anything, please reach out to any of the hosts. We are more than happy to do what we can. Everybody do your 111th and we will get through this together. Thank you once again for listening and as always, go pack go.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.